Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and for the first time in four months, we're doing a live interview, although we are socially distanced. You know, we've got some room between us, but also, it's been a little while, but my co-host, Arthur Black, has returned for an interview. Hello! Hold on, let me take my fucking face mask off. <laughs> All right. Today we have Elizabeth Cooper from Fest Parker Winery with us, but who's also done numerous other things, has known Arthur for a long time, and I, I gotta thank Arthur for uh, connecting us today awesome. uh, to be able to do this, and it's a desperately needed chance to talk about the business that doesn't have to fa- do with bankruptcies or loans or insurance right. or any of that shit, like... Getting back to the whole purpose of the show, which is to remember yeah. why we love this. No talk about militarized police. No talking <laughs> oh about isolation, God. quarantine, no. curfews. Yeah. No talking about. Well, that's get, a whole podcast. We, on its we own. got kicked show. out of Europe. And that's a whole show on its own. So we were talking a little bit before we got started today, but like you've got a pretty cool background, and it's a it's quite varied. But you've known Arthur for a long time. Now, yes. how long have you known Arthur? Oh gosh. Um, it's had to have been a, a decade. At least a decade. At yeah. least a decade. Probably you... more. It's yeah. The last time I sat for the I, that that you can, test, you can say it. <laughs> I'm stumbling through uh, it. We 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 in the master's program. <laughs> so, but that last time I sat was 2012, and so it's got to be it more really? than a decade. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Was I that, did 10, 11, and 12, and was, I was like, was peace that, out. Was that in Aspen? It was in Aspen. Yeah. So that's the so very got inexpensive. Out. You got kicked out the, after, right? You were there with me. You got kicked out the following one. You got kicked out in 2013. That's right. You did because it was right around the rum fest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I remember talking about it in Miami and getting that dirty look from you. It hadn't been talked about at that point. I was asked to leave the room. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah, we've known each other a really long time. time. She's one of my dearest friends. I love her to death. Um, Brilliant. uh, Funny as fuck. And just, um, she's just one of the best people to know, period. I'm blushing. And you, I mean, I looked you up on, you know, uh, what, LinkedIn, which is, I think we all have an account, but there's no yeah. reason to have one. No one looks at it. I haven't checked mine in you like, know what's funny? I know, like every 16 years, I'm like, oh, I should probably add that I don't I work at McDonald's every anymore. Every once in a while, and I'm like, oh, gosh, look at all these people that want to know me. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, and then I never go back. Oh, yeah, it's, no, it's useless. I don't even understand the point. Well, but I guess cool if you're looking of, for It's like a resume, right? Like, sure, sure, and sure. And so you've definitely worked some cool jobs. You've been a general manager of a restaurant for quite some time. And Restaurants, I, and was that the retail? kind of your entree into the wine world? Absolutely, yeah, restaurants. So I worked, geez, I mean, my, my very first job was at 14. I won't say how long ago that was. Um, washing pots and pans and making sandwiches in a, in a cafeteria. So right it's on. been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. That- but ran restaurants, um, ran wine programs, worked distribution, had my own distribution company, worked for wineries, for import companies, winery direct, you had your retail, own distribution and then back. Company? Yeah, Cape Distributors. Shit, I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, I saw that on your whatever yes. LinkedIn on my <laughs> on Ask LinkedIn. Jeeves. Yeah. <laughs> but the um, I didn't realize that that was your own company. And so, my, yeah. But yeah. what like what kicked it off for you though? Like, was it having the job in a restaurant and being forced and like thrown into the fire of like, hey, by the way, you're in charge of the wine program now? It's, yeah, I mean, I always enjoyed wine, you know, and not just for the drink, um, but you know, if you're if you want to catch a buzz. It was just the most pleasant way to get there. Yeah. So I enjoyed wine for that. Um, growing up, we always had wine. So it was just part of the um, a family thing. But I think probably more so uh, when I moved south, um, originally from Chicago. So I moved south to um, North Carolina. 
and took over a restaurant and took over their wine program and really very eye-opening once I got a chance to meet with people, really taste wine, really pay attention to what I was tasting, what I was drinking, maybe actually tasting it, um, you know, seems like maybe doing shots of wine was not the best policy. I mean, it works. It, 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 it can. It, it gets get the you. Job it gets done. you there. It gets you the pleasant uh, buzz <laughs> that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, going through the the, yeah. the sommelier program, you know, yeah. it starts to kind of teach you a little bit to pay more attention to what you're tasting. Right. And I think you know when you're putting together a wine program and you're looking at this is back in the day of you know Friscotti and Estestest. <laughs> so if that gives you any idea of of the wine programs that I got to start with. Is that wine even made anymore? Yes, it is. Of course it is. It's fucking everywhere. It is. It's just a sad, sad story. Um, But yeah, so looking at that program and tasting these battery acid things and thinking, you know, we have this incredible, the place I worked at, really eclectic sort of Mediterranean style menu um, and nothing you could possibly drink with it. I mean, literally nothing. So sort of starting from the, from bare bones and really tasting and bringing food out so that we could like, you know, yes, I like to have a glass of wine, but 90% of the people are drinking it with a meal. That's how I'm always floored. But like, by like anybody that is knowledgeable about wine and viticulture and viniculture, that's not in our industry, because I just don't know how you could possibly afford to taste as often as you actually need to taste and to be able to do pairings as often as you need to. It's like. We almost get a shortcut because we, you know, we see seven people a week bringing in 10 wines each. Right. And, you know, if you were to do that at home, that means you're buying 70 bottles a week. I was very fortunate in that I worked for a wholesaler. And if I needed 12 wines, I just put in a sample right. request, right. you know, so. But again, that's still the, our industry. I mean, you're still in food and beverage. And so, yeah. like, right. if you I were just a, like a novice at home, it's like, I'm going to learn about wine this year. Yeah, it's it's a tough road. And I really think. You know, if, if from a from a novice standpoint, it's finding like-minded people. You know, it's it's finding people that are really interested in it. Networking, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. and you you literally when you're tasting wine, if you're not having food with it, then you really are working on a on a form of muscle memory. Like, you know, how how that expression of a of a particular meal, whether it's you know it's duck or it's steak or or a salad or whatever, how that makes you feel the taste the that feeling of it and trying to it together with wine if you're not having it at that same time it's 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 the very intense building of the nose as an organic spectrometer you know it's yeah it's a muscle you got to work it man you got to work it and people will tell me we're like wow you know <clears throat> how'd you you know you just born with a great nose it's like nope and i smoked for 20 some <laughs> years yeah so you just if if you haven't spent time Tasting and tasting and tasting Barolo v. Brunello v. Burgundy. Right. Then you can't stick your nose into a glass in any one of those and say anything about it. And right. I, I remember there's there's one kid who like went and took his intro test and he was telling me about the experience and he goes, Yeah, you know, we we tasted this one Barolo and it just it just didn't seem right. And I was like, You ever had a Barolo? And he goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck, man? <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, yeah. And then, you know. And it's always, it's the, the yeah. kind of like the rigorous note taking, which has always been my failure. I don't have one of those photographic memories. Like, right. you have a really great memory about wines you've tasted. Chris does as well. You know, when he brings in, he's like, oh, yeah, I remember we tried this uh, seven years ago. It's got those notes. And I'm like, no, I have a hard time tasting some of the, like, uh, 
vintage rums that changed from year to year. I'm like, sure. I don't remember what last year's uh, taste like. You don't give yourself enough credit when it comes to rum. You got a great palate. But I don't take rum. the notes like as I should. You know, I try, it's but tough. you know, particularly in wine, it can get right. you know, it's it, a lot. It's a lot of information. You need to know how to disseminate that into like yeah. useful life skills, unlike forestry. Well, unlike forestry, <laughs> yes, which was that was a sad, sad time in my life. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, that's what she went to school for. Briefly, yes. Briefly I can um, <laughs> tell you a lot about the loblolly pine for sure. Um, but just that, just that one? That's probably about as far as I got. Any, yeah, Calif- <laughs> like, North Carolina silviculture was about it. If we gave you six it. glasses filled with leaves, could you tell us what trees they were from? It really depends on the leaves, <laughs> quite possibly. Okay. Right. Um, but not because of that. But I, 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 just to add on to the whole idea of, Yes, you have to build the muscle. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. I think that's the biggest thing with tasting wine, with learning to to differentiate those nuances and those flavors and yada, yada, yada. You have to pay attention. You know, you really have to mm-hmm. stop and think. And let's be honest, how many people sit down at a table at a bar on their patio when they get home from work and pour a glass of wine and really pay any attention? Right. They're this just wine like, is clean, correct. Yeah. Or correct. Yeah. It has, you There's know, some flocculation in my glass. <laughs> right. A little bit well, of turbidity. Course, you know, when you're at home right. as well, you're not pouring tasters. Sure. You know, you're like, so, well, I've now had a five glass, uh, five right. glass of wine. I'm going to move to my second one. By the time you're a third one, your palate's shot. I think what this, what, yeah, that. <laughs> but I think what this brought, brings to bear is, is all of these years of doing these things, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not testing or any of those things. I do taste a lot of wine. It's that ability to appreciate what's in the glass and to, when somebody pours me something, make an, a, a mental note to stop and pay attention. And then, you know, once I get past that, I'm like, all right, let's move on. There, but I really feel like it's it's something that's sort of ingrained, and that's an important piece of it. Was there like a uh, aha glass, like... There's oh, yeah. a lot of people like have had that. They had that one like, oh, hold on, I get it now, and not just like the best wine you've ever had, but the no, one that, like, and it's. It made I, sense. I mean, no. I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say what the wine was, although there was nothing wrong with it. It just was. I got to hear for this for me. I know it's it's so. Uh, <laughs> Trinidou Petit Syrah was when Chris Bilbro was yeah. making their. I remember it. Their so Petit I guess Syrah. I do have some memory, and I it was like I do remember that 1988, 89 vintage maybe, mm-hmm. um, and it was a head turner. It was something that was like a complete package. And I don't think I'd ever really had, you know, in tasting wines and trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. It wasn't this horrifically tannic. It wasn't horrifically alcoholic. And I think out of California, you know, it, there was a lot of extremes going on in the 80s. <laughs> let's, let's face it. There were a lot of extremes going on in the 80s <laughs> right. in my life. I just got a picture of DeLorean in my mind. <laughs> I know. Miami Vice playing. Yeah, oh, man. I just listened to a whole podcast, <laughs> like two-episode series from a podcast called, uh, oh, I think it's called Past Gas. But it was about okay. John DeLorean and his fucking insane life. Yes. Anybody out there that doesn't know this story? Because I kind of briefly remember it from when I was a teenager when he was yeah. uh, the trial was going on. Uh, but going back let's do as an adult, that dude was insane. It's like, I'm an auto engineer, but I want to be a rock star. So I'm going to do right. cocaine. I'm going to get supermodels and hookers and get a chin implant. And it was insane. <laughs> get, get a he chin did. implant. He literally he got a chin implant. Isn't that crazy? What the <laughs> yeah. fuck? <laughs> You, you've got to listen to the whole story. And then, I, you know, and then they busted him with, what, like 18 pounds of Yeah, cocaine? something ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, I might have been a movie that I, she's now here's my memory. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was, a, I was watching some movie and it was the story of John DeLorean, which was that sort of crazed, 
you know, he was in, incredibly intelligent and just went off the deep end. Yeah. And, and you the don't often hear about like money. engineers doing that. No, you usually know? they're pretty, you know, squared away folks. I just remember back uh, to the future. Yeah. Well, yeah. so he like said that like, <laughs> I don't know if he said it or somebody else said it. Like without that, people not even, may not even yeah. remember who the hell he is. They wouldn't have known. The without car flopped, that, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> People would have forgotten his role at GM. So anyways, that yeah. was a side Crazy, track, crazy. Right. The, the well, 80s were a wild time. So it was so. a crazy time for sure. Uh -oh. But the I think the wines coming out of California at that time, it was just, there were a lot of extremes. So this was, I thought, really well made. It, it sort of ticked all the boxes for me. Um, and it's I think it was the first time I ever bought like a whole case of one wine. That's fun. Um, which... You that know, totally qualifies as an answer yeah, to that question. That was, um, it's like the only time in my life that I did, or the first time in my life that I did that. Now, you know, of course I've bought many cases. Now. So yeah. an extremely important thing when it comes to like competitive tasting is to be drinking wines with certain typicity. You know, the wine should show as they show, um, in which sounds like, what? What does that mean? No, Pinot should drink like Pinot and Burgundy should drink like Burgundy and you shouldn't be drinking a, Pinot in a competitive situation that's been enriched with Syrah to where shit, this could right. be anything. People do that? <gasps> no. <laughs> Mega purple. So it, should, it should show exactly what it is without too be, much yes, like, manipulation of it to, uh, to, to try sure, to make yeah. it. Without too much amelioration, kids, oh. which means enrichment. Boy, everybody's missed you curious. so much. <laughs> they the words. Arthur Black's back. We've got to get your fucking dictionary out. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm listening to a podcast. Hold on, I'm grabbing my wine atlas. <laughs> um, but that in a strange way was my segue <laughs> to uh, Fest Parker, which I, I believe are wines that do demonstrate typicity yes. and drink the way they should. And there's actually a very fascinating story behind the winery. Actually, shit, I didn't even think about this. Fest Parker was the first fucking winery I ever went to. Really? Was it really? In California. Yes, I it was. I love that. See, you know, the all first of these fucking winery I ever went to cool in California. Things. In so, California or in general? Uh, in California. Okay. Because I mean, when I was young in my studies, I went down to like Indiana wineries at like sure, you sure, know, sure. Butler and hey, let's talk about blueberry wine. And then <laughs> right. I actually worked. Chamberson. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Who so good. Meryl Foch. <laughs> let's get down to some Retundifolia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> actually, please. you give me Chamberson and a blind tasting, I'll nail that motherfucker. I bet you would. It, it's just such. Horrible. So um, should we like talk about who Fess Parker was so, before yeah. we like get into the winery itself? Because it's a it's a fun story. It's a great story. So yeah, Fess um you know he's he, and by uh, the way, if you were born before say nineteen fifty, you can just skip ahead ten minutes when we're done. So right. you already well, know. I, you know, I think if you're born after let's say sixty five, sixty eight. Yeah. Yeah, you might still you might have seen the reruns. But Fess was a it was an American actor, um, he played very iconically Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett in TV and movies. He was a Disney uh, character. He did a lot of other things. It's, there's a really, I love this story just because it's sort of um, when people think about Fest and that are my age and older, that you know they immediately think of Davy Crockett. I think of Daniel Boone, but his sort of segue into um, movie stardom, if you will. He had gotten a Disney contract, and so you, they just told you where you had to be and what you had, what part you had to play, and yada yada yada. And he had a raccoon so, hat. He, he did. did. But his very first, he was sort of discovered, if you will, by Disney. He was in this film, and it's actually, you should watch it, you'd love it. It was called Them. 
And it was about these giant ants that came down from Mars to attack Earth. Yes. Exactly. So he played the crazy pilot, the army pilot or Air Force pilot, I guess not army pilot, um, <laughs> that saw them and they thought he was, you know, a nutcase and put him in a, um, a mental institution. And because um, turns out that there were these giant ants attacking Earth coming from Man, Mars. Man, we just had like the so, the, the deadly... Hornets and all murder hornets. hornets, yeah. yeah. If we're not gonna have fucking giant ants right. next, so the whole idea of um, when Disney was putting together Davy Crockett, uh, he I, apparently they had suggested to John Wayne that he should take the part, and of course he was like, "Man, I'm already successful, no thanks." <laughs> but I got a guy. So when you go watch the whatever the cuts, I, I don't know what it's called. I'm a little about uh, cinema, but anyway, they they watch the final cuts or whatever when they're putting this movie together. So he was like, "You you, you want to watch this, and you're going to find your guy." So starring in this was James Arness, and that's who um, John Wayne was like. You could check him out. So the story goes that Disney walked in and they were watching this, and Fess is in one of the early scenes, and he's this tall, lanky, lanky very handsome guy, and. Disney was like, that's my guy. That's that's Davy Crockett. And to hear Fest tell the story, he was like, I can pay that guy way less than James Arnest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he got Davy Crockett. James Arnest got Gunsmoke and, and and forever the story she'll she'll go on. But um, it's always interesting when people talk about that. I'm like, do you know the very like what he was discovered in? And it's funny, a lot of people have seen it. Um, you can actually catch it on like Mystery Science Theater 3000. They occasionally will run it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's, yeah, it's it's something to watch. But he sure. we he did it pretty smart by you know um, transitioning pretty early in yes. the career rather than kind of writing out some sort of cameo roles once every now and again when you're in your 60s and like hey didn't that guy used to be Daniel right, Boone right. like. He, he kind of doubled yeah, down and bought land. 58 to 64, he had this incredibly iconic career. He was married to um, his wife, Marcella, was a singer. It's a good person to be married to, yeah, your wife. Yeah, well, <laughs> well you know. Um, so she traveled around the um, with Bob Hope for the USO tours and things like that. So they, she loved, um, I, sh I think she moved from Iowa to California and just like that was her place. Mm -hmm. So fell in love with Santa Barbara and they bought some waterfront property and they were definitely the influence to, that really turned that um, harbor around, uh, built a hotel and um, started buying and selling real estate. And he was very savvy about what he did and really smart. Was and her name Marcella or Marsala? It was Marcella. See, it's, but it's German, not Marcella. For the guests, Marsala is a fortified wine that oftentimes <laughs> drinks oxidatively. Footnote A. Usually often, often served with chicken. Oftentimes served with chicken, but there's actually, I was down with um, some of our mutual friends at Burns Steakhouse doing our mancation. Um, and if you've never been to Burns, when did then, you go to Burns? Oh God, yeah, yeah. No, not, oh, I, can't I fucking, thought you meant during COVID or some shit. No, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, They're like, this is the perfect time to get in. I'm drinking the wine. Hey, if you haven't worked for like a year and a half, you just came back from the Himalayas, no money. Let's go to Burns. Um, no, but we would always go down to Burns, and and they have one of the most amazing wine lists in the they world. Do. And uh, the the sommelier came up and was like, "Just name something you want to drink, anything you want to drink. You know, uh, what have you not had?" And I said, "Well, first off, I would love to try some like forty year old Semillon from Australia because the wine is fucking awesome." Um, and then he said, "Well, we got none." And I said, "How about a kick ass Marsala?" They literally brought up a bottle of 1820 Marsala 
and popped and it for the table and, yeah. and, and comped it and didn't pay for it. And it was, it was fucking good. So anyways, back to the best part. <laughs> right. Well, I love or Barnes. Fest, it is one of my footnote favorite A. Okay. <laughs> or and, B. <laughs> and moving right along, segue. Um, yeah, so Fassi had this iconic career. And, and in the process of buying property, buying and selling, you know, people sort of never forgot about the what a syndication happened. They, sure. His name was out there. He was associated with politicians. He was good friends with Ronald Reagan. Um, but Fess was uh, a Texan at heart, born in Texas, born and raised in Texas. So well, it's important to note right. at this time, like that area of California is not what it is today either. Not at all. No, no, no. So um, he and his wife were looking for a new home. They had a, an unfortunate structural issue with their house and had to very quickly find something new. So they were told about this wonderful ranch up in Los Olivos um, that would be a perfect place for growing grapes, um, had some on the property. So he and his wife and his son Eli and daughter Ashley went out and looked at the property and Eli, his son, not really sure what he wanted to do with himself, really interested in wine and winemaking. They decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy this ranch, uh, 714 acres. We'll plant some grapes in it. We'll just sell them to other people. We're going to have cows and we're going to horses and we're going to have a ranch and a big family home. Come in. (laughs) (laughs) They, um, they did. And that's how they started. And being, you know, as people say from nothing, Texas, nothing small can be done, Mm -hmm. decided that not only were they going to grow grapes, they were going to make their own wine. So, uh, in 1987, they planted some Riesling and 89 was the first vintage and sort of Eli as the winemaker under Jed Steele's tutelage, they started, um, started making wine. Yeah, yeah, I should note that we, since we're back live recording again here, um, we are. People in, are trying well, to get the in the inferno, door. We're at the inferno room, and <laughs> there's it's a been line out the door. It's a mob. A couple of times uh, in, in previous in the past two months, but yeah, we intelligently chose to expand the inferno room while uh, the country was shut down. So now we're, the finishing touches are being put on the. The it's next bar next Hence door. Hence so. the hammer in next door. But the yes. place looks beautiful. It's, this is an amazing place. It really is. I can't wait to come back and have an adult beverage. We have plenty of those. I, I'm so excited. We can only serve like, you know, 12 of you at a time. But, you know. Well, I'm like two people. So maybe 10 people. <laughs> there you go. Like pack in, just yes. double fist them. Got a zombie in one hand and my time. Exactly. In so, so how did you end up at the winery? So, yeah, I worked for them um, through a broker back in the... Uh, like 2008 or so, mm-hmm. um, I worked with a couple of other wineries, wineries um, for a broker. <laughs> a and, wineries. And some wineries, <laughs> for sure. Um, in 2008, if, if we all remember, was not a great time. I was going to um, say, that was the last time it was like right, this. Right. So I had just, I'd worked for an import company out of New York covering the Southeast. They sort of went under. And so a friend of mine that had a, a brokerage was like, hey, just you can hop in and you can do North Carolina and South Carolina and maybe, you know, a little bit of it, some Georgia, whatever. Great. So juggling that, picked up a couple other wineries on my own and um, spent every penny I had, saved my son's college um, fund and realized that it was not working out. Mm. So I was given an opportunity to take over a retail program for a large um, gourmet retailer. And they threw a lot of money at me, which was fantastic. Um, So I did that for about five and a half years. And and when I first started, um, Tim Snyder, who's president of the winery and married to Ashley Parker, uh, offered me the position I have now um, at that time. And I had already taken another job and I was like, uh, I, I don't think I can do that. Um, fast forward five and a half years when I was ready to leave, I called him and he was like, Meh. and I said, you know, did, did you hire anybody? And he's like, no, why? It's <laughs> like, well, I'm ready now. Um, and they very graciously welcomed me back with open arms. And I have, um, so I essentially cover 
Midwest, East, Southeast, South. So are you in a sales position or a more of an educational uh, role? No, it's a sales director. I, I mean, you can make whatever fancy title you want. In sure. my opinion, I'm a salesperson. It's mm -hmm. what I do. I engage with people. I talk about, you know, it's an incredible story to, to, to share. Not just the family piece of it is wonderful, but what goes on there. I mean, certainly... And thankfully, we don't make the wines that were made in 1989. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody there would, would cringe over hearing that. It's, it's a very different um, situation. Uh, in 2005 or so, we, Blair Fox joined us. Eli stepped down, let Blair take over. Um, and in 2009, I think Blair really was able to adjust the direction of, of the types of wines that we make. In 2014, we brought in Tyler Eck, who is our associate winemaker. So that's our big winemaking team. Is Blair a girl or a guy? He's name? a boy. That's a guy. Okay. It's a guy. Um, and Tyler had and just finished. He could be either. Yeah. I guess it could be either way. Yeah. It yeah. Could be either. You know, was that Facts of Life? Her name was Blair, right? It's kind of like Stacy. Almost yeah. all the Blairs I know are men, though. Yeah. I really, it's, I think it's the only one I know besides Facts, the Facts of, of Life. Facts of Life. Who was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm so ashamed of that show. She was the, the, the rich. The bitchy one, blonde. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. She was the DeLorean of the show. <laughs> the DeLorean. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, so Tyler had just finished up in Condrieu, uh, working harvest and, and doing some winemaking there for a couple of vintages. Condrieu so. is an appellation oh, yeah. in northern Rhone, if you're not familiar with it. And the grape is Viognier. Viognier. Thank you, author, for footnote B. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes pronounced Viagner. Voiner. Mm -hmm. Voiner you know? oh, is always a good one, yes. So um, between the two of them, I, and, and this is a part of the this position that, that I wake up every day and I'm excited to do. One lifts up the other. Blair is an incredibly talented winemaker. Um, he's very forward thinking. And the addition of Tyler just lifts that up even more. He's really into the sustainability pieces of it, into the clonal selection, into, you know, what grows best in what area and why is this row different than that row? So together they make this incredible team and they, they seem to be always curious and always ready to do something different. Um, Santa Barbara, for people that aren't familiar with that county or that area, it's where California heads south um, and just above LA, it kind of makes a, a left-hand turn. So it, it makes this switch and it's literally where the tectonic plates shifted in the United States 90 degrees. It's Literally, I believe the only place in the Northern Hemisphere that has east-west traversing mountain ranges. So what that means for us is it opens up those valleys directly to the Pacific. So you have a warm current from the south and a cold current from the north. I wish they could see my hands. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just swooshing from two different directions. Things are happening. You're doing a lovely job. Say, I mean, um, I can only imagine you at charades. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm fabulous. And charades is a game that you have to use your hands. Um, <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar. So that California current that sits on the edge right in between the Prisma Hills and the uh, Santa Rosa Hills, which really cradles Santa Rita Hills, that, that particular viticultural area. Coolest climate on the West Coast. The water average temperature is about 45, 50 degrees really? year round. Wow. 60 degrees year round in Santa Rita Hills, average, and 70 just east of that in San Inez. So huge diurnal temperature shift. So it's right now, if you were sitting in Los Olivos, 95 degrees, maybe a hundred at night, it's going to drop to 40. So you have oh. a, like a 50 degree swing. Wow. Diurnal variation is different oh, between nighttime and daytime yes. temperatures, Sorry. which helps for wines with a lot of structure. Cause you get the warmth and the ripening, the sugars, then you get the cool, the 
Right. solidifying of, of, of acids. But I am thinking that charades would be really fucking hard for someone with no hands. It would be. I, I love how like, you're giving charades. all the info. Usually I'm like the person that's like, when you're using all of the words that I think no one's going to understand, I have to like push pause and like right. give the definition. And you're doing that today. This it's is fantastic. Fabulous. I like the groove we're in here. Right. So, like, so uh, big swings in temperature. So the ground never heats up enough to continue to ripen the vines overnight. Oh yeah. But going back to the wines, you said there's, it's been a huge change from what initially right. was being produced in 89 back to like, you know, when, so the now we're 31 years but, old, but are, it's, what's happened is, is have the grapes that are being grown on the properties changed? Have what you're bringing sure. in changed? As uh, like, did it, was there a learning curve as to a, what a works? a big learning curve as to what works and what doesn't work. So as you get on the property, those initial Riesling vines, which is what we planted, 30-year-old, are incredible. And it's one of those... Um, when you when you taste it, it really shows that sort of bounty of what Santa Barbara has to offer. It shows big bag I do. Okay, it's hold on. Spectacular. We're gonna push pause, and we're gonna be back in a half a second for all of our listeners. But I'm going to get glassware. Excellent. Okay, there we go. We're back. That was a brief second for our listeners, but we now have. Oh, I like that <laughs> pouring right in the mic. Yeah, when I hear Riesling. I saw you like glance down at your bag when you said I was Riesling. Like, I'm like, oh, Riesling? Wait. I have Riesling. So this is literally one of my favorite wines to show, especially at the beginning of when I, if I'm doing a presentation, because it really shows when you have those big temperature swings, ground never heats up enough to continue to ripen the vines overnight. So we're not racing for respiring acidity, but what it allows us is more ripeness, more physiologic phenolic ripeness. You have these wonderful aromatics coming out of the glass, so that sort of petrol, stone, lychee. Like biting into a ripe, juicy stone fruit, and then bam, high acid on the back end. And that petrol thing usually isn't something that you get from a lot of New World producers. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's also known as uh, trimethylhydrodiopthalene. Um, I'm glad that that's still in there. Yeah. You didn't know how much you've lost over the last four months. <laughs> it, it comes back, man. It's weird. Yeah. Once you start talking it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a scary thing. Yeah, it's, I haven't like done any education in so long, which I is why. I had a conversation with one of my employees last night because he's a like plays in a black metal band. Mm -hmm. We were talking about music, and he does no he knows no theory. I'm like, yeah, I used to. I studied it for you know half my life, but I mean, it's all gone now. I'm like, for example, and then I was like, oh shit, I guess I do remember yeah. some of that. It's stuck in there somewhere. It's an amazing uh, muscle memory. So for me, it, I think it shows that it's uh, everything that we produce is harvested by hand. Um, all the whites are whole cluster and bladder reds are a blend of whole berry, whole cluster. But for the reason to me, I think it shows that it's about 1.8% residual sugar. There's enough acid there that it, it sort of keeps that sugar in check so that you're, you're having this beautiful fruitiness. But there's nothing cloying. It cleans your palate. It gets you ready for the next bite of food. Mm -hmm. You get a, you know, a mouthful yeah, of juice. Yeah, you've got the sweetness, but you've got the acid and the structure. Right. And we make she a said what one one point eight percent. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, detection is usually human detection is usually about like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6. Yeah, so it's it's definitely there. But to me, I think the perception's more olfactory rather than mm -hmm. anything on the palate. Um, we make a completely dry riesling as well, which is lovely. Um, what I find interesting is when I'm having this with a meal, I appreciate this wine more. It really Always. allows you to open up, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're when you're dealing with spices, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily always hot, but just something that's heavily seasoned. Um, it really sort of changes the perception of, of the wine. You you miss a lot of this sugar and you get this bright acid and it really brings out those flavors yeah, in the Thai plate. food. Yeah, I mean, yes, Riesling was the, the, the varietal that like turned me on to what wine can be. Yeah, like, yeah. It went from sure, like just sure. a beverage that... 
You right. pretended you were fancy when you opened up yeah. and bought the second most expensive or second cheapest, yeah. right, with the second cheapest one. But you know, I mean, when I'm I not spending that, seven, but I'll I'll keep it for nine. First Riesling, you know, yeah. I was just like, oh wow, yeah. Jamaican jerk. Uh, think about sushi with wasabi and ginger. Um, if you've never like everyone's marinated brats and beer before, if you've never marinated brats and Riesling. Do it because it's yeah. absolute tits. It's so absolutely interestingly, we have also a brewery called Third Window. Um, oh, really? Chris Parker. So Eli's. So we have. Uh, it's three generations, thirty-one years. So the fourth generation. So still part of all the fifth, family. All family owned and operated. Um, are living on the property. So Chris Parker, Eli's son, has Third Window Brewing, and it's the old brewery. B r e u r y. Brewery. Facility. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in Santa Barbara. <clears throat> So they do, the brewery used to do a, um, a beer using our Riesling, some of our Riesling. So, yes, they yes. did. So I, it was interesting when you did the beer and bras. He makes all very, very funky. I've got a whole cellar um, full of brewery beers. stuff over yeah, yeah, at yeah. Black Market. So they're, uh, yeah, so they were good buddies. So we took over that facility and now it's third window. Um, so it is sort of this big umbrella of there's the the vineyard which as i said 714 acres of land 110 is planted divine we have 80 head of wagyu beef regular cattle heritage pigs goats lambs we've got mushroom caves dog rescue horses mushroom um, caves what mushroom caves yeah they're they're pretty awesome when you go back up so the when you come in off fox and canyon road it's like a thousand feet up to our upper mesa which is again it's sort of a topographical anomaly that you're looking across the vineyards to the san rafael's point conceptions behind you Again, I wish you could see my hands. Um, so you She's have three sides, yeah, three sides of ocean breeze. <laughs> three sides of ocean breeze. Um, and then as it picks up those warm Santa Anas, it's all of those mesas. They're not just us, but when you think about Andrew Murray and Kohler and even Fox, and you have this incredible sort of Santa Barbara mistral that, that takes place. And it's, it's the soil's a little bit more alluvial. You don't have as much of the diatomaceous earth base, but you, you have this incredibly... Um, uh, mineral-rich soil. Okay, so I know this shit's probably getting old, but the Mistral is a very famous wind, began in the Rhone, so when she referred to the Mistral, she's speaking of uh, a particular uh, wind. Uh, a warm, dry, right. uh, very strong wind. Okay. So for us, that upper mesa is where most of our Rhone varieties are grown, um, and the, the bottom mesa is where the old Riesling is done. So, do you, so is all the fruit grown by the estate or do you so bring stuff in? So the preponderance is estate, but we also work with other wineries. So we don't just buy mm -hmm. bulk juice or bulk fruit in, right. in any way, shape, or form. So under the umbrella, I feel like I have to clarify, because I think sometimes when people think of Fess Parker and because of, of that name being sort of iconic with an actor, they think, oh, this is just a big commercial winery. Right, right. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. So 30 years, three generations, we have not only the ranch, which is an operational ranch and farm, restaurant, hotel, brewery. So all of these work in concert with each other and to sort of provide that, um, you know, it, it's stewardship. It's good stewardship to the land, good stewardship to the community, but more importantly, it's the next generation. We're not doing anything that to to harm that generation that's growing up on that property and ready to take over in some form or fashion. So what you're saying is this isn't like Drew Barrymore's Pinot Grigio? Right, That exists. Right. There's a, that's a real yeah, thing? That's a real thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. doesn't Linda Lovelace make wine? Joanne Johnson just made a tequila. I mean, there's so many. The I, see, I drink um, his tequila. And then, no, fuck. <laughs> Michael Jordan, his his extra Añejo, yeah. or Muy Añejo, or Tres Añejo, whatever you want to call it, age at least three years. 
1600 fucking dollars. Jesus. Crazy, crazy. But there's crazy. some like legit partnerships out there that I think are cool. Yeah. Like Iron Maidens, you know, had the couple beers up, but they're like they're beer trooper geeks, stuff. They're right. Yeah, like, they're those like, are, they're, they're pretty and good. And they're big, been really part of the real ale movement for a long time. Right. Not just like a, hey, I bet we could stamp our name on cold cock. You better not say that. Like, I don't want to offend Slayer. I love Slayer, but like, no, but you know, the cold cock whiskey and stuff is terrible. Yeah, just don't want to, you know. But I mean, you know, those are, it's, if I was in the other shoes and I was like the person lending my name, like, how much money can I make off this again? Absolutely, you can put my name on it. Sure. And, and, and so. <laughs> I'm not too proud. <laughs> I feel like I have to sort of quanti- qualify, quantify what we're doing. So there are all these businesses. There are three generations working in all forms and facets of it. Um, under the umbrella of Fest Parker, obviously, is Fest Parker Wines. Our true, what we feel are truly authentic Rhone is under the Epiphany label, which was sort of an homage to Fest in that um, Eli felt like it, Fest opened that door for him to be able to become part of the wine business and the wine industry, and um, it was an epiphany in his life, and so that was sort of his homage to It's a good to wine. It's a very good wine. Yeah. Um, and then we do Festivity, which is our all-method traditional Santa Rita Hills sparkling um, and addendum, which are Napa cabs. Obviously, we own no property in Napa, so we right. do a, a stagecoach. We do round pond, very small lots that we have agreements with. Um, yeah, so, I've seen a lot, a lot of offerings. You've got these like really small right. Offerings. So of that, we make somewhere around fifty wines. What the total production? Wow. Yeah, it's about fifty every vintage. The total production is under sixty thousand cases. So nine thousand in the Riesling and about thirty thousand in Santa Barbara Shard. So everything else, when I tell you it's small, pretty boutique production it's small i mean most everything is done in six packs it might be 100 might be 50 is there like a, 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 a chairman or a, like a board meeting every year and they're like what how can we make our job more difficult <laughs> like, let's open a brewery and add 10 more wines to the book <laughs> so well it's a family business <laughs> yeah well right they're gonna have to keep procreating to make sure that right. it's, a, it's a so it's way. a they're they're some of the most wonderful people and you know, I, you know, I guess there's 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 uh, pros and cons of working for mm-hmm. family. Um, what I love about this is that they all go into this with that sense of of awe and appreciation for what they've been given, what they are able to do. Um, from, so they're all pretty cool. There's no they like are, they're great. There's I, no Blairs in the group. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there isn't. I mean, there's our our Blair is actually quite cool. Um, but yeah, some more of a tootie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> calling him Tootie. Um, he could be a Tootie. I don't really know that. Um, but yeah, they're just—they're all just great folks. They're going to kill me for saying that. Don't worry. No one listens to the show. <laughs> so I, I think for me, I think it's an exciting, it's a, it's a great opportunity for me every day when I'm out, when I'm selling, when I have that opportunity, which is obviously rare these days. Um, I mean, that's got to put a lot on your plate as well, like out, no, like doing the sales. I mean, you've got 50 things to worry about. Obviously, those aren't going to be all available in the market. Because I, I, I sell, in the majority markets, I might sell 10 to 15. Right. Um, most of that is direct to consumer. Most of those are small productions. Because we have, they tend to be a little bit experimental. We do a single quinoise from the Upper Mesa. It's not something we're selling mm-hmm. to anybody, except for if you come to the winery, if you go see the Epiphany Tasting Room. Um, if we had somebody that said, hey, you know, I'm, I want to take seven cases and feature it and I want this to be mine, we, we do those kind of things. But am I going 
around the country to distributors and saying, hey, how much cumulus sure. can right. you take? Oh, how much can you move? Yeah, let's just stick with that Chardonnay. <laughs> so our largest production is obviously the most popular. I think um, the beauty of that is that it, it really is the bounty of what Santa Barbara has to offer. It's four distinct viticultural areas, four distinct vineyards. So Sierra Madre, Santa Maria, Los Alamos, and Los Alamos Vineyard, um, and our home ranch, Rodney's Vineyard. And in uh, Santa Rita Hills, Ashley's Vineyard. So we're going to try Ashley's. So you talked about, uh, like, you know, taking very seriously the stewardship of the land. Like, obviously, you know, we're much more in tune with what we're doing to the planet as humans now. And so how are you guys taking that in consideration? Because, I mean, you're you're moving that on to next generations, and we want them to be able to, like, grow wine in California when it's not 185 degrees, you know? I'm going to give you a quick little rinse Thank you. Um, We are, we just got... um, finishing up putting together SIP certification. So for those of you that don't know, that's sustainability and practice Mm -hmm. for our Upper Mesa, for our home ranch. The beauty of that is that once we were found out exactly what was required, we had to do absolutely nothing. We were already doing everything. So aside from stroking a check to uh, the state of California to get that handy dandy little Mm -hmm. plaque, um, we are working towards organics in some areas. We, um, for us, part of that sustainability with the cattle, uh, we take all of the spent grains, we combine it with the skins, the pumice, and that's what we finish our cattle with, lowering the methane emissions by 10%. Right, and you've got the brewery, you've got all those grains. Right. Yeah. So we use in the restaurant um, whatever we can grow, what they, whatever we can get out of the farm. Uh, we used to have everything direct from the farm to our restaurant. We've switched that around a little bit. So it's um, uh, uh, SY Kitchen. Um, has taken over our restaurant space and in combination with the winery. So they use obviously the Wagyu and the lamb and and some of the um, herbs, vegetables, mushrooms for sure. Um, yeah, so for us, it's there's there's cross planning. There's uh, we're not doing any sort of synthetic pesticides or anything like that. I mean, we used to say uh, Resine, we do the reason fight. You didn't do anything that wasn't absolutely necessary. Um, but to take it to the next level, there's children living on that property. Right. There's grandchildren, great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever want to put anything in the land that that you wouldn't be willing to live off of. Right. Um, and that's why I ask because yeah. I mean somebody's going to have to deal with it in fifty, right. sixty years. And you make a mistake now, you're not mm-hmm. paying for it. Mm-hmm. The next generation pays for it. Right. So I think that they are very cognizant. I think they're they're vigilant about about handling that. Um, we're a small team. You know, it's we, there's not a lot of us that, that, I mean, it's me. I have a guy, a great guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. Great guy that works in the South. Yeah, you know, I got a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> um, we've got a couple people in California. Spencer Schull, who is Fess's grandson, who is an incredible kid. Uh, he lives in Colorado. He runs Colorado State. Um, not for the state, for the winery. Uh, <laughs> so he runs Colorado State University. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know Colorado. <laughs> He runs that state. He's he, the governor. He runs it. Yeah. You know. And he's the governor of Alaska. No. <laughs> he, um, so he works with me as sort of a family ambassador. And he's, he has this ability to discuss the business, the winery itself, um, the production. He's, done, he's worked in all facets of it um, and appreciate that he's a family member. And he has this incredible way of communicating that, that people... Um, they, they want to hear what he has to say. Charismatic guy. Yeah. Well, he's he's very quiet. He's 6'8", so he's not, you know, he's not somebody that can blend into the background right. anywhere. Eight? Yeah, he's a big kid. Jesus, um, But man. he has this incredible way of sharing the story. Wish um, I was a little from bit the heart. taller. Wish I was <laughs> right. taller. You know, I, I like to work with him because I feel like a little petite. It's the only time I feel small. <laughs> Literally, the only 
every time I I'm feel so small. dainty. I'm like, oh, I'm a little girl. <laughs> I don't really say that. <laughs> no, well, cool. There's so many of these like projects that have gone on, and it almost seems like they. It's fine. It's been planned out so well that, you know, like you said, between the cattle, the restaurants, the, right. feed, the you know, all the fertilization that needs to happen. It's like you've almost become like an in- enclosed. It's like a, like a little ecosystem. ecosystem. Exactly, it is. And I, I think that there are, you know, there's always room to make those changes. We have this incredible topography, as I've mentioned, this incredible climate that we've talked about. We have some of the most unique soil in the in the country, if not the world, the largest deposits of diatomaceous earth. Do you want to explain Yeah, like, give us a footnote, because, you know, we Go, we Arthur. usually avoid talking too deep about soil on the show because it does start to blow everybody away. But I think we've done enough shows now that we can get a little bit, a little bit, into, like, what that means to the vines. Well, um, one, she brought the rocks. I brought the rocks. We've got a table of the rocks. So yeah, feel that. I'm going to pass off cool. the, the soil oh, wow. to her, but crazy? I am curious. Feels like a, um, like a piece of styrofoam. It is, but, it, yeah, yeah, it's diatomaceous earth. So sea exoskeletons compressed over millennia. Um, and, and again, with, nobody can with, see what I'm holding sand. in my hand, but this is a, but like, it, it a, looks it's like a very, a, what, an inch thick and about the size yeah. of a, an iPhone, and it weighs nothing. Yeah, so it looks, if you were to, if you were to be in, in Burgundy, say in Chablis, it looks like that kind of chalk, although mm-hmm. that is a heavier soil than this. And it, it, this, the feel is the same, that sort of chalky, but the difference between ancient diatomes and what you would get in limestone is those sea exoskeletons are comprised of... Um, Calcium, calcium mm-hmm. carbonate. These are silica. Okay. And because they have these very sharp exoskeletons, when pests, when ground up and spread in gardens, when pests, they can't cross it, it right. tears them apart. Right. So it's a, it's a natural pest. Um, so how does that adjust, um, like, the nature of the grapes? Mm-hmm. Uh, she mentioned calcium with, with limestone. And right. Alkaline soil structures um, are more conducive to yielding higher acid wines. So is it kind of the same kind of thing with that? Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, it also, obviously, because the soil is so much lighter, it deflects because it works. Um, it's some of the best drainage and filtration. So for us, um, for that area within Santa Rita Hills, that area has seven different marine soils. So um, to, not to be too odd about it, but when you look at the 246 corridor, so at the top where Ashley's is, is this very, very extreme diatomaceous earth. Parker West, which is another one of our vineyards, is there. It's like a stone's throw from Domaine de la Côte, if people know where that is, Rajpar's um, property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The largest deposits are right in that area. If you go along the Sweeney Canyon corridor, you see these, not only the diatomaceous earth on top, but you can see that petroleum and a little bit of um, clay cobble that runs into these layers. Um, so unfortunately, when you look off the coast of Santa Barbara, you certainly see oil rigs. And that's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into the Santa Rosa corridor, which is at the bottom part, where you would find Sanford and Benedict on one side of the road, directly across the street, fiddlesticks, and just up the hill, sea smoke, is this really churdy, hard, hard rock that's quite heavy. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you'll, you, these are all different marine soils, but they all offer maybe a different textural quality, a, a different mineral quality and not in that you're going to lick the rock and you taste that in the wine. Sure, I don't right. mean it that way, but it's, there's almost this salinic quality to the wine. So we just tried the Ashley's Chardonnay, mm-hmm. which is our Chardonnay. It's from four blocks um, in the Ashley's vineyard. And that's in that, this area in the, the 246 corridor. Um, and to me, it has that really 
again, aromatics on it, you, you think you're going to have something much bigger than what actually mm -hmm. hits your palate. You have that sort of bright citrus. There's that really sort of um, linear feel to it. It's a little t wound a little bit tighter than your typical California. Um, it's 40% new oak. We're, we're not trying to play burgundy here. Mm -hmm. This is a, truly a California wine, and what we want it to express is Santa Rita Hills. It has a great um, expression of oak on the nose, for sure. And sure, then, but I don't think it's overwhelming, and I think for me oh, that's no, no, that, no, no, that no, sense it's, of... It's not obtuse at no, all. Yeah. Um, that's but, a triangle. <laughs> Footnote C. <laughs> but, um, on the palate, the fruit does go more citrus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, it has, it has great structure. So this is Fess Parker, Ashley's Chardonnay. San Rita Hills. San Rita Hills. For anyone listening local, is this available anywhere? Yeah. Um, like the for sure, uh, Big pricing? Red. Um, okay. And online sales, what, do you have like a yeah, so we, you if really you like to work go closely to, with or um, anybody? <laughs> If, if you're looking at online, I mean, geez, if you have a, a retailer that you would normally deal with, you can certainly get it at wine.com. We have an incredible website, and okay, it's so very user-friendly. So if you go to festparker.com, go to the sales site, everything, and all of those weird little wines that you think, what are they making all this stuff for? You're going to find those there. Um, and it's a great opportunity to, to – there's a wine club. You, you don't have to. Um, it doesn't cost anything to join. You necessarily have to pick up your shipments, but you can curate – an experience. Well, the U.S. has finally way. started to ease up a little bit of the wine restrictions because we were one of the most restrictive, and now it's right. relatively easy. Can you ship into Indiana? You can. No, well, yeah. you can. You can I think you can do. I think it's yes. like where it's like two case wine. max or well, whatever. Loosening it up. Well, I just had. Um, I just ordered a couple of cases from uh, Harper Voigt. So twenty-five percent tariff uh, increases on. Most European wines, and right, then right, right. now they're. I think I saw some legislation about a hundred percent, hundred percent tariff. They're looking increase. for. They've put it on the back burner again, but that's the that's the overt threat in the background is. Um, and again, we got kicked out of fucking Europe. Yeah, we're not, not allowed really to go to us. Europe. Well, when they tell us to go back where you came from, we just can't. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I just don't think we're making it very difficult for the Europeans to uh, to do that. Yeah, you know, but it's an uh, unfortunate uh, situation. Thanks, Commander sure. in Chief. You're doing a great yeah. job. Well, and then there's so many other things that I mean, we're in such a clusterfuck now that like some of those things that seem really important to niche people like us don't right. seem important to the greater population. Well, so like bigger problems have to be taken care of. Then we work down, and then by the time it comes down and to And we're unfortunately punishing an industry that has zero to do right. with right. what they're trying to correct. Mm -hmm. So, But, I mean, the, you know, the, the, I mean, those wines now are coming out. Those price increases yes. are happening. Yeah. Oh, they are. So the new And they're not going to go back. Out. That's the problem, that once it's there, they never go they back. stop, it doesn't, yeah, it's never like, oh, geez, well, now it's cost us less, so we're going to lower our price. Right. Don't think so. No, nothing lowers. <laughs> the prices all right so like if you have a great year price is going to go up in wine if you have a bad year and price so you have lower yields, lower yields price is up price is going to go up because there's less wine if you get a prices, great rating price, price is going to go up yes. well i just you know like in food you know what was it in 2008 when the economy crashed and like uh, oh, fuel gosh. prices went through the roof yeah and we started seeing fuel charge surcharges on all of our invoices that had never been there before. Yeah, they're still there. I can that was remember twelve fucking years ago. Traveling, I think I was up in like the maybe northern Georgia mountains, um, and running out of gas. And 
Play, nobody had gas. I mean, and I thought... Just let the mosquitoes lift up your car well, and fly the next I thought, Lord, I just don't want to get caught in the Georgia mountains. No, Sorry, Georgia, man, but I really some, did not want to be there. You there's know. some crazy yeah. shit that happens up there. Yeah, there yeah. sure is. Yeah, 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 yeah. there is. It's so hot and humid and giant. Forest and, <laughs> like yeah. insects the size of chihuahuas. Spaceship, I'm hot! <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. It was a crazy time. Um, I'm going to switch it up. Just yeah. because I have different soil, I want you to try the San Sanford and Benedict. So this is our um, Pinot Noir from Sanford and Benedict. This is one of those iconic um, vineyards. So again, this is where Ashley's is our estate. This is um, a vineyard that we source from. Uh, Richard Sanford started in 71. Um, so the Appalachian for Santa Rita Hills, I think, uh, came into play in 2001. I could be lying, but I think it's 2001. Is this the um, Richard Sanford from Sanford and Sons? Could be, yeah. Fred's cousin. Yeah, so this is that, that churdy rock in the soil. It's darker. Um, I actually have the soil with me because I do stuff like that. But, yeah, so each of the, you know. Is I that do. weed or soil? It's it's soil. <laughs> there might be weed in it, but no, it's, it's definitely soil. Inadvertently, um, of course. Yeah, oh, of course. Oh, this I'd is never inhale it. Cool. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what I love about this, so this is some of these vines, um, the in initial plantings are still there. So there's these big gnarly trunks. Um, we, for 2019, we replaced our, a lot of our um, production facility. We mm -hmm. added nine cement fermenters that we brought in from France. Mm. Um, all conical, all naturally made. So again, going towards that mm. sip. You didn't buy American? Uh, no, not for that, sorry. <laughs> um, but so big open top fermenters um, just outside of our barrel room in our production facility. So I'm really excited for that vintage. Um, but here, mm. this is 2017. It's a blend of clones. Um, there is a fair amount of 667. And, and just to give a little bit of when we talk about clones, um, just a very simple explanation. If you think about when you go to the grocery store and you go to the produce section and you see Granny Smith apples and you see Red Delicious, I don't know why, um, Fuji's, uh, Jazz, Pink Ladies, you name it, they're all apples. Mm -hmm. But each one of them brings something different to the, to the party, if mm -hmm. you will. So the clonal selection for Pinot Noir, I think, sort of follows that particular um, vein. So for me, I think this is, um, oh, it's cooked, actually. This soil kit is so damn cool. That doesn't um, taste right to me. You remember at, uh, in Alsace, Ed, at that, uh, very, I, I made that all by myself. <laughs> the, um, the festival, the big ass annual I definitely don't remember to. much from the wine fair. But, uh, like, you could buy, like, tanks like that there. You know, like, it was just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what a great time. You know, Patrick moved. What? He's in uh, Languedoc, I think, now. Really? Uh, yep. He left oh. his position with uh, Pierre Spar and Damn. he's moved on. So you can still go see him in France, just not... Now we need to go see him in Languedoc, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Old Patrick, my buddy. Love him. Shout out to Patrick. Um, all right, so... So this is the Sanford and Benedict. This is the best part of tasting on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's all swirling liquid yes. around. What, um, what's the suggested pricing on this? So um, if you look at our website, it's going to be $60 is probably what you're going to see. You'll see it from, from $50 to $60. And it's a 200 and, uh, 254 case production. I'm assuming French oak? Yeah, all French oak. So with the um, with so much going on, you know, yeah. is there like a blueprint for 
the future. I mean, because that's a, it's a lot of things to juggle. Right. Like, it right. gives me anxiety to think about trying to run a restaurant, a cattle farm like, right. with the ranch. And then you've so got... this is the soil for that. God knows how many, like, vineyards you're taking care of, plus it's sourcing from anyone else, right. plus the actual, like, I think vinification. There, yeah. <laughs> so there is a little bit of a blue point in that we have... A blueprint. We have um, set vineyards that we have contracts with that we will continue to work with we've paired away a, a, a little bit um not a great deal but but a little bit um the elevage the the production part of the pinot noirs are all quite similar so anything single vineyard like this or single block single clone which we do like a single block single clone of 115 and a mm -hmm. single block single clone of pomard um we do a Bienacito Vineyard Pinot, Parker West Pinot, Rio Vista, blah, 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 blah. We do a lot of them. Well, um, she's speaking to the different clonal variations of Pinot, which have different characteristics. And Pinot is a particularly uh, mutagous, mutagious right. grape variety from um, altered uh, states right. of reproduction of cells. So really, so it, it, there's lots of mutations, easy yes. easy to mutate. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah. yeah, there's there's many mutations and clones of of a number of great varieties. Uh, San I think Giovese, Pino has the you largest it's, mutation it's, though. Pino probably has the largest. That's um, I mean, they thought there were over sixty different variations of Muscat, right. but they narrowed it down to like twenty three or something. But that's coming out of memory. I think there's but, like 54 different for Pinot, though. I think when you, clones and variations, plus you're talking Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, right, Pinot Noir. Right. All same same mother vine, if you will. Um, but for us, so 30, 30 to 35% whole cluster. The rest is whole berry. Um, no pump over, all uh, punch cap, uh, 17 months, new first, second, third, and fourth use barrel. And then at 17 months, we blend it. Um, so they all kind of follow that particular style. So from that end, um, when we uh, are producing wine, it's a bit of Tetris. When you can bottle, who, what's going to get pressed? Sure. We just added a second bas basket press, so it's a five-ton press. Tetris was an old game on Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been on more than Nintendo. Yes. But yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. That was the last video game system I had because I realized there was this... Thing out in the world called women. What? Uh, I, I kind of walked away from video games. Um, no offense to all the gamers out there, of course. Is this the current vintage? This is 2017. Yeah, it's the current vintage. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's there's uh, um, I I don't know what the plan. I don't know that there's a huge variation from the plan, sure. but just to sort of look at the very best sites that we can work with mm -hmm. and capture that vintage the very best that we can. Um, and so you've been with the company for how long now? You said five. Col yeah, right now four years. Four years? Collectively, a little over ten between wow. the two uh, different. Okay. Uh, just to throw in there, if people were like kind of poo poo on 2017 vintage because the year of the fires didn't come to us, didn't yeah. wasn't here, so right. not an issue. So one of those things to think about again, it's those east west traversing mountain ranges, those transverse ranges. Right. As the fires, even when you had fires in Los Angeles, they really they would edge in. Um, they kind of stop on the edges of Santa Barbara and from the top they'll nip into Biancito but by the time it gets there there's a lot of countermeasures quick broom brush things like that that they can sort of do to, to mitigate issues um, what you have to worry about is obviously air quality and ash and right. you know listen if I'm up in Biancito and I've got an organic vineyard sitting on the Susquick and it's coated in ash do I still have an organic vineyard right so it's it's a very tough. It's a difficult time. And those are a lot of the California. questions that you know they, when they get right. asked, where the blurring of lines and, and what you right. can control, what you can't control. You know, 
Correct. I mean, it's, we're more it's, used yeah. to hearing that conversation about Monsanto and like, what if you're planted right, right next right, to right. it? But you know, when it comes to grapes, there's there's it's a lot the more same, lines yeah. that can be blurred. You know, right? Um, Things are are cross pollinating at at all times. So I I know you've gone through with Arthur with a lot of the like uh, quartermaster sommelier certifications and all yeah. that. And like, is that are you still doing that? <laughs> you, are you acting, no. Whatever. No. We got no. so many stories. Oh, I'm so, sure. So, yeah. So I got well, we already, the... We already talked about Arthur being kicked out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I passed the advance in 2008. It was a big year for me. I lost all my money. Like, I got a pretty pin. Um, so there's that. I don't even know where my pins are. I have yeah. no fucking clue. I think my pin's still in my failure suit. <laughs> I like it that you have a failure suit. I wore the same failure. Well, people are like, don't you love Krug? It's the greatest. And I'm like, it tastes like sour cream and failure to me. Um, it's like hairspray and broken dreams. I, I, I don't want it. I had a failure tie. Yeah. I spent like I do remember the failure tie, yeah. I spent yeah. 400 bucks on this badass fucking yeah. tie, and I wore it to every master's exam. It's like I what? wore the same suit to every exam, and I thought, you know, maybe it's, <laughs> it's not me. Maybe it's <laughs> it couldn't be me. <laughs> But yeah, obviously he passed with flying. Oh, yeah. Well, you that, just tested the wrong year. Last year, you, all I, you got to do is put your name on the paper. <laughs> I know. Well, I, you know, there it's it's an interesting. I've there are so many stories out there. I have a a good friend that, you know, came right out and said the number of times I was offered the answers to the theory or to you know what the wines are going to be for service or what the questions are going to be at service or what the wines are going to be during the blind tasting. And Shell, it, you, that's not a, a an isolated incident. Right, and until right. it's like the emperor's new clothes, until you see it for what it is, that oh shit's going down. Yeah, man. There's, oh, yeah. There's, Arthur's been like calling it for years. Yeah. And, like and it, all it, this conspiracy theory shit. Once all, that hit, it, it all came it's out. It's all to coming be, home, yeah. and it right. just. I mean, it, I, I feel so bad for like the board because of all sure. the ass kissing and apologies right. that they've had to to send out there, but. It's not going to get any better. And right. um, Liz actually. I feel bad for the people that have put in the work. Well, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. Multiple there are friends that had that shit retra uh, fucking retracted yeah. Yeah. last and year. Here's the thing. You know, what, what's sad about this is exactly what you said. Everybody that's there, when I was there, it's, it's, it's incredibly serious and it's stressful. And you, you put a huge piece of your life into this. And, you know, I, I didn't have the luxury of quitting a job and, and here's just focusing my on it. When you say right. a huge part of your life, if. Nobody's seen like the documentaries, what Psalm and Into the Bottle, yeah. all that. When we're talking about a huge portion of your life, we're talking like longer than PhD, the, a smaller pass rate than PhD. I mean, it's it's so much the work. The average then, time it takes now yeah. is 16 years. Yeah, there you go. Um, right. So, so yeah, she dedicated actually, all of that. Yeah. She had a, a, a friend who was testing and didn't pass. And um, one of the board members, uh, they were speaking, and he actually told Liz that. He needs to go buy a better suit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Not making that shit up. No, you can't I believe it. Up. I mean, it seems like the kind of. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's it's one of those things that it's unfortunate if you if you laid it out, you know, okay, it's okay if I don't pass. I, I, right. That part of it is I'm I'm totally all right with that, and that doesn't mean that I think you've done me wrong. But what I want to know is. You got you got five wines right, and I don't. How, we, but we didn't like how you got there. Well, then tell me what I left on the table, or mm -hmm. of the hundred and eighty-five questions, you missed the gimmies. What what does that mean? Right. Why don't you just say, hey, listen, you need to go back and have a look at Portugal, right. or you need to, you know, Which you just need to go home and never come back. Whatever, right? Education. Right. <laughs> there should be feedback. Should truly be feedback. Not you seem like a lot of fun. 
Well, I am a lot of fun, but that is absolutely <laughs> the last year that I failed. Like I, I never. Here's the thing: I've I've been there enough that I know some. I knew some of the MSs, and and if you feel like you can't tell me to my face, and so you send somebody that I've never met before, to who is a nervous wreck. I mean, he was sweating like a whore in church giving me my feedback and yeah. he's like you seem like a lot of fun and I was like oh I am trust me now, however that is not why I'm here that is not what I'm sitting here for right. and, and I totally understand if you you know if you can say listen during service you didn't handle the decanting properly or you you didn't handle this question properly or you didn't seem like you knew what you were whatever none of that just be clear it, it shouldn't be smoke and mirrors and um, again, I keep going back to this, and it was a Chris Dillman thing, and it just makes me think of that, the emperor's new clothes. You know, when we realize that there aren't any clothes and that this is so incredibly subjective that one person can go in and nail the tasting mm -hmm. and pass, and the person behind him can go in and they say, oh, yeah, you didn't really get anything. Well, you know. Well, it definitely they looks don't have like 27 the, uh, different sets of, of wines. The, so a, a white boys club, you know, it's always sure. seemed like the country club yeah. that, you know, if you don't fit into the and mold, I, I think and you're, it's a, maybe you're too fun right. and Arthur's too loud. And right. I don't know. But well, and it, you know, but I when get you it. picture some, right? right, you picture the guys that are on that documentary. Right. Don't picture you guys. I mean, no. You know. And I'm, I'm sure I totally don't fit the mold. I just said totally. I'm sure I don't <laughs> fit the mold. And that's OK. I, I I'm. I'm all right with that, but I think that if that's what you're going to be, then you need to be crystal clear about it. Mm -hmm. And I can't, when you call yourself a master of anything, that's not somebody who's never traveled out of the country, right. who's never left a book, and now I'm supposed to look up at you in awe and want to emulate you at the age of 25, not being ageist here, with zero experience because you have this capacity to memorize minutia. Right. We don't mean to offend anyone young. Sure, no. Whatever. And, and the, the um, bottom line is, I, you know, I've been there with a lot of people. It's hard work and people have dedicated their lives to it. And those that have passed, kudos. I think that's fantastic. I'm not downplaying the, the accomplishment, but what I would say is be honest about who you are and what you are. Mm -hmm. And I'm tickled that they're trying to make changes. I think that that's, it's a step. I just don't know if it's salvageable under yeah. these circumstances. I think until you can publish an exam and publish your, this is how we, we base it. This is how we decide, you know, it's, there's, there can be nothing subjective. Mm -hmm. And until you take that away, it's, yeah. For the record, it's I don't club. think anyone told me, you seem like a lot of fun. <laughs> I am a lot of fun. No, you are. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm just saying me. I, I don't, don't think they've said it to him. I, uh, no. Yeah. And I, you know, the funniest part about that is that the, it's just the guy was so nervous. And I was like, that was like the absolute slap in my face. Right. That at, at the end of the day, I, I really am not coming back. But couldn't you just talk to me? Couldn't you just say, <laughs> God, let's stop already. <laughs> Except that. We want your money, right. you know? Right, we just couldn't pass you. You told yeah. too many jokes during the yeah. exam. Like, <laughs> they told didn't me. find your Chamberson joke funny. When I finished my tasting, I'm like, oh, I'm 50. <laughs> I was told uh, too many people find you threatening in your presence. That's <laughs> Maybe you didn't told. bring enough presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Well, so Anyways. we should like recap before we wrap up right. here. So we can find the winery where online. So it's www.fessparker.com. Is there any like social media presence? Yes. So at Fest Parker Winery, um, also at Epiphany Cellars, um, at Festivity. 
uh, at Third Window Brewing. <laughs> there's a lot, yeah. If you go on to the Fest Parker Winery, there's tabs for every different business, oh, okay. including the Wine Country Inn. Um, we do horseback riding tours. The the, the winery is open, so because we have a large space, mm-hmm. everything can be done outside. It is pre-poured. I, I would strongly encourage anybody that has an interest um, in agriculture and geology and wine and just having a good time. Do you have hot air balloons? No, oh, we that don't. Would cool. That would be fun, though. I read online... And correct me if I'm wrong, was the winery not used as for some shots in Sideways? It was horrifically used, yes. I, I don't remember what it was. Um, I don't know it, if do you remember where he drank out of the spit bucket? Oh, no. That was your guys' That wife. was first? Wow. Oh, That's no. right. Yeah. So it's the only winery in the movie that did not use its real name because we were like, whoa. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I remember the That's scene. That's not how this was portrayed. Well, yeah, you can't yeah. forget that well, scene. Well, I remember looking at it and going, man, that place looks familiar. Yeah. Well, uh, so that taste, does yeah. that tasting room still exist as it did? It does. Well, there, there's um, hopefully down <laughs> the line like there'll be some. We redecorated the right. entire inside. Like, no, we have no idea. There, it's it's changed a little bit, but it's pretty much the same. It's that old sort of rustic wood. Um, it's a beautiful <laughs> place, but yeah, it's that's it was an unfortunate. Hey, you know, they had to pick somebody, wine. I guess. And it got people drinking wine, and oh you know, my it, god, yeah, and it drove the prices of Pinot up for well, a decade and, and after it wasn't that. even and <laughs> it wasn't even Pinot. Yeah. Right, right. I don't even know. Well, yeah, it didn't it do much for Pinot. It just allowed people to call Pinot right. Put anything yeah, they just wanted crank out anything. Surprise. Yeah. That's what they should call it. <laughs> but wow. yeah, so it definitely we were in that movie. So definitely um, a lot of opportunities for anybody yes. even remotely in the area to like stop by, make a whole yes, fucking yes, yes. like not a day of it, but like spend a few. You can spend. Yeah, I mean, in Los Olivos proper, there's probably thirty tasting rooms. Um, I don't know that all of them are open. I know that, like the Epiphany tasting room is open because there's a large space. Sure. So there are tasting rooms open. Um, it's it's a beautiful area. You can when things open back up again. It's a twenty or so minute drive to Lompoc, and they have the wine ghetto there, and it's. Every Santa Rita Hills vineyard that produces wine that bottles their own has a tasting room in that area. Because you can't really drive through Santa Rita Hills and go into wineries. Most of them Mm -hmm. are are quite small. and um, So they all do it in Lompoc, which is kind of a cool area. You're, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump north from the Hearst Castle. I'm a big fan of it. I like to see what the rich and famous do. Yeah, it is pretty neat. There are some creepy folks. Uh, but yeah. San Simeon's a beautiful place, and it's a wonderful area to look. There's Morro Bay, Pismo Beach. I mean, if you're a Bugs Bunny fan. So are you living there now? Or are you living no, I don't. on back? You're, you're on the East Coast, though, right? I live in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, yeah. Actually, as I just in came... like, Bull Durham? As in Bull Durham. That's, that's oh, is it really? Like, yeah. Yep. You never heard of Durham, great. North Carolina? Well, I, I heard of fucking Bull Durham. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It was a good movie. And filmed right that's there. That's why it blows me away about some of the facts you have in your head. And you're like, what? Durham? Where's that? <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> yes. I am bleeding information <laughs> about <laughs> Austria out of my ears. Yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Uh, you just have like a, a finite amount of information. Things or, just uh, are slipping away. Room, so you're like, well, yeah. I stored that soil info. I've got to right. shed something else. Well, okay. and I'm working with a tiny pinhead. So there's only so much room. <laughs> Well, get so much in there. This has been awesome having you on the show. Yeah. It's thanks so much. Even more, uh, it, like made more incredible by just being able to do it in person and having Arthur back. And it's, I've just been going crazy. You know, this I love is, it. I needed, this is nice. I needed personal interaction that wasn't like, yes, we are curbside now, so pull out to the front, and I will bring oh, your food yeah. out to you when you get here. It's interesting now. We just, um, it's really my first sort of foray since March out in the market. I was, I have a little um, place up in Maine, out in the middle of nowhere. That's, it's lovely. It's it's on Web Pond. Um, so I 
stopped in Chicago to work a little bit, and it's that ability to just even behind a mask to mm-hmm. to interact with people. It feels so good. Well, I mean, on the one plus you know, side. Now with nobody really, you know, sharing cocktails, sharing glasses of wine, you won't have anybody else drinking out of the spit bucket. True, <laughs> true, 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 true. You can't even come into the winery. You got You have to sit outside and be served, sure. but it's a beautiful place to be. So. Yeah, so, yeah, it's worse places. Um, these wines, like I said, is one of the first properties I ever went to back when I was a wee lad. Um, they're great wines. They're extremely well-priced. They're very representative. Um, they're available. She mentioned Big Red, and I'm not sure where else around town, but... I'm sure if you asked for it, they make the effort any, to like find yeah. it for Cons, you. I think okay. if you, any place that you, if you have a a store that you like to shop in, just ask for it. They mm-hmm. can get it. It's, you know. Assuming that they're buying. Right. Assuming <laughs> right that they're now. buying. Right. True. Just assuming that wholesalers are sampling. And we'll put um, <laughs> some Instagram tags and all that on yes. on our feed so that it's easy to click right over and, and you can find use locators and all those right. fun things. You'll likely see this on our Instagram. Yeah, great. And we're, yes. we're, you can find us at Shift Drink Podcast um, and on Facebook as well. And so mostly lately it's been a bunch of, you know, nothing because of COVID-19, <laughs> you know. I mean, we've done a few episodes since then. We're just primarily talking about the, you know, state of the industry. So yeah. this is great to kind of remember Thanks. that there is an end to this. There, you know, there, There's a light. Things it's, aren't going to look yeah. the same, but, mm-hmm. um, you know. That's the one beautiful thing about wine, right? Is that uh, I mean, it's much older than any of us will ever get, and it'll and it'll it'll keep going once right. we're on. That's which right. Is, yeah, fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Arthur. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. It's been awesome um, being back and talking and being able. <clears throat> excuse me. Are to, you getting reclaimed? <laughs> yeah. To provide all the uh, footnotes for he's the getting, episode. <laughs> he's getting misty. That I'm so. Happy to be back. Um, no, that shot of tequila just went down the wrong pipe. Um, oh, is that what you've got in your green juice bottle? I know. Yes. Yeah, that that bird like, is a liar. It's, it's not superfood. It's superfood. I mean, it is. Tequila. It's um, But no, check out these wines. Um, and um, thanks, Ed, for, for, for having us. And yeah, this thank been, you very this much. This has been awesome, man. Yeah. Well, let's uh, go have some tea oh, drinks. Oh, now oh, i got to go to work. Oh, oh, I'm just wait. pretending that's totally posturing. For, forgot let's a, go have a drink. We got, forgot a question. Oh, we did. Uh-oh. What's your favorite hangover cure? My favorite hangover cure? Oh, Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> I love the brief, succinct, that, yes, that's it. There's yeah. no yeah, question. Done. It's Miller Lite. Got it. Well, it gets you the hydration. Right. Gives you a little bit right of the alcohol to yeah. just kind of little sugar. fuzz it up a little bit. So it's little not a high something. life. It's not the champagne of beer. It's See, not like the champagne of beer. I like that. It's a little life. too bubbly first thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, ice cold. Well, and it could be ice cold anything, you know, maybe not make a little, but like, you know, whatever. All right. Ice cold light beer. Okay. I love that shotgun. like all the fancy wine folks I know always go immediately towards like watery domestic beer as their go-to after hours like well almost across the board at the end of the day after you've had a lot to drink right. and you need to sober up for that way home <laughs> what better way than to crack an ice cold beer that's <laughs> i had a friend of mine oh i gotta sober up what do you have what, what kind of beer do you have <laughs> water i need a beer so when you're feeling a little woozy in the morning if you know it just gets you right to to get yourself you know through the day level you out yeah awesome guys Absolutely. well until next time cheers cheers, cheers. Yep, we can clink, but there's clink. nothing there. <laughs> Where are you with our sound effects? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. But wait. Look, 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 look. Ooh, we Go got ahead. it there. Till next time, guys.